Folks, a quick message from our sponsors, Know Before. So what's a con game? It's a fraud that works by getting the victim to misplace their confidence in the con artist. In the world of cybersecurity, we call confidence tricks social engineering. And as our sponsors, Know Before, will tell you, human error is how most organizations are compromised. What are some of the ways organizations are victimized by social engineering? We'll find out here in just a minute. Now, our sponsors' questions about forms of social engineering come in this form. Know Before will tell you that there's human contact, there can be con games. It's important to build the kind of security culture in which your employees are enabled to make smart security decisions. To do that, they need a new school security awareness training. See how security culture stacks up against Know Before's free phishing test. Get it now at knowbefore.com forward slash phishing test. That's knowbefore.com forward slash fishing test. Now, no before wants to thank you for listening to the show and I want to thank them for sponsoring it. They are the provider of the world's largest security awareness and simulated fishing platform. Be sure to take advantage of their free fishing test, which you can find at knowbefore.com forward slash fishing test. Think no before for your security training. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's CISO Talk. I hope you're ready for an awesome episode because I got a great one coming up here in just a moment. But before we do, if this is your first time tuning into the CISO Talk podcast, thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure to hit the subscribe button right now if you're listening on your favorite podcast listening platform or if you're watching us on YouTube as we premiere this episode subscribe, turn on the notification bell. And if you're listening on your favorite podcast listening platform, subscribe and give us a five-star review. Be part of the hundreds of people who've loved our content and swear by it, who tune in weekly to the CISO Talk podcast. This is a straight podcast. We're not selling anything. These are two cybersecurity practitioners having a conversation. And I've got an awesome show coming to you here in just a moment. I have Igor, Igor Spector joining me on the podcast. He's the CISO over at TrackPhone, and we're going to have an awesome conversation. You guys are going to love Igor, I promise you. Um, it's going to be great, and we'll talk a little bit about cyber and leadership and all these good things. So make sure to subscribe. Make sure to check out the supporters of this podcast who you heard early on in the show um, and make sure to give them support that you can also find more information about them in the show notes below. So give them a shout out and let thank them for supporting our show. And now folks, time to stop all the promos time to get going. So are you ready? Cause here we go. Sissel talks coming up right now. From the cyber hub bunker in studio. You're listening to the CISO Talk Podcast. No sales, no bullshit, just straight talk. Straight talk. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Igor, welcome to the show, man. How's it going? Hey, James. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Wonderful, beautiful, sunny day here in South Florida. How are you doing? I, I, I am very, very jealous of the South Florida weather. I'm also very jealous of the fact that just South Florida, South Florida, and it is my 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 dream place to be living at some point in the near future of my life. We should have this conversation in summertime, but yes, I agree with you. you. You know, as someone who lived in Israel for about five years and traveled all across the Middle East, I'm not afraid of heat. The heat doesn't mind me as long as there's a big body of water to dip into when it's really hot outside. Agree. It just gets a little long. You know, around September, October time frame, you're asking yourself, okay, you know, when is going to get over? And then comes November and it's over. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Igor, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for, for coming on the show. Um, you know, for our audience and members who don't know a lot about you, um, give them a little background of how you got started in cybersecurity and kind of where you're and, and what you're doing today. Yeah, and th thanks for having me. Happy to be here. So um, my career, I consider it to be a pretty lucky one. You know, I've had a chance to, you know, I'm approaching about 20 years in cybersecurity or IT in general. Um, and, you know, over my 20 years career, I work for, you know, large, mid and small size companies, startups, 
and I work for a privately held company, a publicly traded company, and I've done pretty much, you know, what's what we generally include in the entire security landscape, right? Anything from risk management, compliance, and policies, and uh, vulnerability management, identity and access management, information protection, pretty much entire landscape of Dharamakiri. So had a chance to work with, you know, different companies, different, you know, different risk appetite. And that, that overall gives me a much better perspective, not only how do you deal with, you know, risk management, how do you build risk, yeah, risk mitigation programs, but most importantly, what I really enjoy doing in the last couple of years, it's, it's really dealing with people, right? You know, it's generally three points, people, technology, and services, right? In the last couple of years, I'm focusing on people's side of the house, building high-performance team, delivering results. Um, so I joined, you know, recently joined Track for about a year in service, and this is where, um, you know, utilizing my, uh, you know, gain experience over the last 20 years, mostly focusing on building teams, cultural transformation, uh, del del delivering values. Um, so again, I've done pretty much the entire landscape. You, you know, what's very interesting about um, TrackPhone, it's kind of like the uh, telco that, I don't, I don't want to say it's, it's, it's a secret telco, but it's the telco that a lot of people rely on and really serves the people who sometimes have the least means of communication. Interesting you said this, and I, I don't want to get into the, you know, the marketing conversation of, but, you know, we have a great mission, you know, we're delivering coverage and access for all, right? We have a very niche market where virtual network operators and we're working with all major carriers of a large customer base, but our single mission is to make sure we're delivering coverage and access for all from connectivity standpoint. Pretty cool mission. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a very cool mission. That's why I kind of really wanted to have you on because I think a lot of times people look at the, you know, the big companies and I used to work for Big Red. And so, you know, they have a tendency to go, well, you know, it's big telco. And I'm like, well, there are companies out there that really do have a very, not only unique mission, but a very important one, you know, especially when you think of the people who do, who do actually use the service tend to be the people who wouldn't have access otherwise. And especially those days, you know, last year with the COVID, you know, there is more than ever people relying on connectivity, you know, kids in school, people working from home, you know, bandwidth uh, utilization are through the roof across the board. But, uh, you know, to your point, the uh, small niche size telecommunication company that you and I never heard of, they really focusing on, you know, kind of small niche market, maybe in Chicago area, maybe in Missouri area. And there's a lot of small companies with their own unique mission statement yeah it's 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 always awesome to kind of have those conversations because a lot of times a security program is defined by the company's culture right because you can't have security without culture i think that's the ultimate debate around security is when people talk about security awareness they oftentimes forget to include culture within part of it um you know and i think that's 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 a big piece to uh, a company with a successful um, security culture to one with a challenging security culture, you know, an awareness and then just security challenges. It's typically boils down to culture. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm glad, you know, you're bringing up a good point to me, you know, it starts with a culture. It starts with, you know, we in the leadership role is, our number one goal, well, we have a couple of goals, right? But number one is to me is, is get awareness out. Be as transparent as you can. You know, get your allies across the company, across different functional areas. Someone who can you rely on, someone you can sell to or get them bought in into your vision, into your strategy. So culture is important. And to me, you cannot do... 
you can buy tools as we know ton of tools we can buy you know we can bring in our additional workforce but if you do not have the right culture in place if you don't have right cultural cybersecurity support across organization it is likely you will be successful so so you bring up a very good point which kind of takes me to to my favorite topic and a topic and you brought it up team building mm-hmm. you know team building is is i think the most critical part of any job of any leader specific especially sysos because i don't care how much technology you put in no technology is as good as sometimes really good people um in fact people make the technology better when they know what they're doing um than just technology as a standalone so tell me a little bit about your process of selecting people to be on your team what are some of the things you look for what are some of the you know kind of uh qualities you look for in people yeah good question and and to, to you know building the teams people development career passing is my is my passion for the last couple of years so i'll i'll, I'll give you you know i'll give you an answer from two different angles you know as as we come into the new organization and i've done this a couple of times uh, you you're approaching the teams from two different angles right one is you need to quickly assess who do you have on your on your on, on your team today right and then second is okay what gaps do i have and how do you feel the skills needed skills to move on with your strategy move on with your program right and both are equally important but you need to start with getting to know your team right understanding your and understanding their strengths understanding their weaknesses and it and and you know i'll be frank it's not going to be you can't do this overnight it, it takes time number one is because you come you come to the team as brand new and it takes a certain amount of time to gain trust and be respectful and it takes time until people can you know open up to you and kind of be vulnerable and share their thoughts so it, it's it, it takes some time and sometimes you can get that depends on how you act so but it takes time to assess your team that's the most important you got to know what is your program what are you trying to solve and then you know what is your team members are capable of doing and sometimes you have to move people around laterally and in and, and some people are willing to step up and drive initiatives some people may not be exactly in the same shoes of driving sort of thing so you have to do certain moves and shuffles and changes with your team and get them on board and so there you guys so you act as one team so that's that's really the phase one to at least i've used this methodology my last you know several 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 companies i joined last two three companies right so that's one and then once you have a better idea you know what your team capabilities are what they can or cannot do and then you kind of run checks against your program and say okay i have this gap or i have this gap and then you start looking for resources whether full-time employee or consulting that's a different conversation but typically when i when i do hiring process it's transparent and what i mean by transparency is i'm getting my team's feedback on the job description you know i don't want to be a single headed driving the important program right so i'm getting feedback on the job description i want to make sure we not only feel the niche needed capabilities today but we're also thinking ahead of time what the program what this space is going to look like maybe a year or two or three from now which sometimes is really difficult to uh, anticipate you know that and then um, you know during the hiring you know I, I am I personally looking for someone who's very you know energetic who has excitement about cybersecurity I really don't care in most cases about certifications and I know a lot of people tend to 
you know, list the titles and, you know, 20 page of certification. This is what I generally look. I mean, I'm looking for someone who, and, and, and during the interview, you start asking me questions and I'm most looking for the answers. And a lot of times you, you ask the question and there is no right or wrong answer. You're trying to get a feel of how people thinking through, through the issue resolution. That That's kind of my, you know, this is what I do when I bring build teams, when I bring new people on board. That's a, that's I love that approach because I use a similar approach when when you know building my team is uh, I don't have an interview where I'm questioning your knowledge, right? I don't I don't need to do that, and I'm definitely not going to ask you about your last job because you've written that in your CV. I'm more interested in understanding how you think, how you perform. And what are some of the qualities that I know I'm going to have to deal with? Meaning, what kind of person are you? Are you a problem solver or are you a noisemaker? Great points. Exactly. Right? Like, I love what you just said, though. I love the idea. You know, I've, I've never done what you've done, though, which is, you know, talk to your team about the job description. Um, tell me a little bit about that. What do you mean by you, you go over with your team over the job description and so forth? What's that process like? So it, it's not a brain surgery, to be honest, but that's part of that's part of the, you know, working as one team. It's part of being transparent and it's part of you all you know, we all come up with one decision and we stick to, right? So that's important. Um, so the process is, you know, we have, again, we have, you know, you typically conduct a risk assessment and you build your program, you have your strategy, you have your tactical stuff, you have your whatever, 24 months strategic program, and then you assess your team and you have, okay, you take IAM, you take VM, you take architecture, so and then you see the gaps, and then you build a job description, right? And so we we have a cadence of you know we have let's say today we have twice a week stand up meetings, and every meetings that's the stuff we talk about. Who do we need? What changes do we need to make to the program? Um, you know, what consultant do we need to bring on board? Do we have the right skills on the teams? What are the gaps we have? So as part of the job description, that's a simple conversation. Guys, we have the gap. We need to bring some somebody on. Take a look. Do you agree with the skills? Do you agree with the level of expertise we need? Do we need jury, mid-level, or more someone who can really come in and help us to drive the space? More leadership type of approach not the follower, but someone who can come in and tell us what to do. Because under the day, you know, I'm seeing myself just a facilitator, right? Leader, you know, servant leader to the team. And, you know, we want to make sure we have uh, smart people on the team who can tell us what to do, not the other way around. I mean. Yeah, you, you don't want to be the smartest guy in the room ever as a CISO. I think that's a, that's a, that, that, that's a very bad policy in general exactly but, but, but that's what people but that's what people expect from leaders too right it's um it, it's, it's very interesting to me um you know I, I was interviewing someone a few weeks ago and i asked him why he's wanting to leave the company he's at today because he works for a great company and i personally know the CISO. and i'm like you work for a great company with a great leader and and he actually deferred and he said um you know, he's a very technical person, mm -hmm. very smart, but he's not mentoring me and I need to be mentored. And I found that to be very interesting, right? Because a lot of times, you know, we talk about the idea of hiring talent and what we look for, but the talent is, is oftentimes looking at us going, I'm probably, I might be smarter in one aspect of security than you are. And I might know more, but you have a more, you know, you have a more, a, a, a more broad expertise, broad expertise. Yeah. That perfect. Thank you for, for, for putting the words in my mouth. 
Um, I love it. Um, but yeah, you have more broad expertise. And so I want to learn from you the broad expertise. And sometimes I feel like we miss it. Do you feel the same way? Do you feel like we miss those opportunities? Um, I think we do. I think we do. And, and, and I think that's, that's, that's a tough balance within the team, right? And that, and that's why I think the initial, the initial, I call it assessment, but it's not exactly assessment of your team. It's something else. It's something on a different level, maybe how you click with the people. But if you look at the, just the people's landscape, I mean, you're going to have people that are, you know, I, I see probably three different types of people that even on my team today, and I'm, I'm openly saying this, uh, they have people who are really subject matter experts in what they do. And that's why they're in the space. They come in, they have experience, they've done this before. And they come to me and they tell me, hey, this is what I think the best. And maybe I'll challenge them. Maybe things will change a little bit. But to the most part, this type of people, they will tell us what to do, right? And the second type of people that um, I don't want to put the labels on, but, you know, second type of the people, people where you need to coach and mentor that may not have those detailed expertise and they don't have expertise from the past, but they're coachable, right? They're observing the information from you. And as you point out, you know, because leaders typically have a broad expertise, so you can, you can, in most, in most, in most cases, you can guide them and say, okay, you know what? That doesn't sound exactly right. This may be, that, you know, based on what I've seen in, in the past on the industry, it may not take six months, it may take you 18 months, things like this, right? More broader. And then the third type, people, which I think what you just, you know, brought to the table, um, the technical people that some of them are not really, I want to say coachable, people that just doers, and followers so that's that's really what i see across the board the three types of people and you just need to know who you're dealing with and how to approach them because each of this each of these people types have advantages and value to bring to the table right some people love to do you know routine stuff every day I hate it. I can't stand this. If I have to do ten, something 10 times a day, I'll figure out how to get out of this. One way or the other. Yeah, I think when I go and talk to SOC analysts, I, I always feel um, the most appreciation of them because I don't know how they do. Like if someone told me today, James, you're going to have to go be a SOC analyst for eight hours or get hit with a sledgehammer, I'll take the sledgehammer hit every time. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I mean, we just had this conversation about our, our sack last week. Well, in, from a different angle, and the angle was the angle was how do we develop these people? How do you apply the career path to a sack analyst? What's their development looks like? And that's a tough one. You know, I, I don't know how tough that is. I'll tell you, one of the things I did with sock analyst is we bring them in and. We give them six months to be a tier one analyst, and then we send them for two weeks um, to work with a team of their choice. So whether it be you know security engineering, security architecture, network, um, uh, data, uh, GRC, whatever. And we give them two weeks where they're kind of doing what we call a um, a floater position. So they work a little bit in the SOC, but then they spend time with that team and they help them with a project over that period of time. And we kind of, from them, start to understand, one, is that something they want to pursue? So, for example, if they went into network, you know, uh, you know, if they went into, uh, let's say, for example, security engineers or cloud security or whatever it was, and, and they come back and they say, I really loved it, but you get feedback from the people who are mentoring the person during those two weeks that you know what they're lacking whatever or they have these skills but they're lacking these specific skills so then when i do the one-on-one 
I'm able to really present a full picture. And I bring in the person who they did it with. And I, I have a, I have a saying on my wall and I don't have it on the podcast here, but because I think some people would find it offensive, but it, it says um, opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one. Just make sure your opinion is like an asshole and it's got a good solution to how to solve the problem you're bringing up. If you don't have that, don't bring me a problem. If you're not going to offer a solution, um, don't bring me a problem. If you, you're being too lazy about the solution. So there, I know that there are some problems where the reason you have the problem is because you're not sure how to solve it. But at the same time, if you come to me every time you have a problem or go to someone else, we're not going to get any work. Then we're going to be putting out fires all day long. Yeah, so I love, not put out fires. I love that you're doing this. That, that makes total sense. We, we, you know, I, I have a very similar approach. Now you kind of describe this pretty much exactly. But, but, so the way we do specifically with the SAC, we don't do the two weeks, but you know, we kind of monitor one-on-ones. We're having conversations with analysts and then, because a lot of times, you know, we bring them to the table to do their one work, but they're really skilled for the L2 or they're skilled for something else. So over time you get a feel what are the skills and what else you can, you know, move them laterally. So a lot of times we, promote them to L2 or promote them to the team lead, right? So there are ways to do this, but for some for some reason, specifically with the SAC analysis, this is where we start the conversation. It's really difficult because this is just the nature of what they do, basically. Well, I think it's like being a cashier at a grocery store, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, you could be the best cashier on the planet, and if you enjoy cashiering and you enjoy being around people, then perfect. Right, you're going to end up being a team lead, and one day you'll lead my sock. Right, but there are some people. But a lot of people feel okay with what they do, eight hours a day. And that's the complacency aspect of it, which I don't mind, by the way, because you know, analysts, sock analysts are typically the 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 toughest people to keep. Um, very sought after. Um, you know, when I was telling our VP. I go automate tier one and he goes, what do you mean? I was like, find every possible tool on the planet to automate tier one. So you don't have to hire tier ones. You're able to hire tier twos and above. Yeah. That's, that's a routine work that you would probably want to eliminate as long as you have a plan to how and where you can utilize people. Yeah. But, I, but I'd rather have people look at stuff um, rather than do the mundane stuff. And, and, and some people disagree with me on that. And, and, and I think I, you know, I respect other opinions, but at the same time, I feel like when we deal with the HR challenge as, as CISOs, our HR challenge is predominantly around the idea of how do we get really smart people dealing with really important problems and not just checking alerts. Right. Cause I, I just, I don't know. I don't find that to be something that humans should be doing. And uh, to your point, that's exactly where automation comes in to not only to eliminate that eight hours staring a day at the screen, but also eliminate the human mistakes. That's, that's so true. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, we're talking about SOC analysts. So let's talk about cyber a little bit. Sure. Um, as a CISO, where do you, where do you spend the most time on? Or is it, is it, you know, what, what aspect of security do you spend, you know, your most time on right now? Um, so excellent question. I, I, I'll, I'll answer in two different ways, right? Um, so generally speaking, it all, it all depends of the side of the company, public, private, depends on your work structure, board of directors, external audits. So it all depends. Um, today, um, you know, I joined TrackFone 10 months ago. In the first 10 months, I would say half of the time I spend on strategy and the other half on people. And not exactly in this order. I could see that when you when you say people um are you talking about cross the enterprise meaning not just security but rather the business teams and and, and other aspects of the business 
Yeah, and, and, and that's exactly what I meant. So not only, you know, just like I alluded a few minutes ago, not only focusing on your own team and figure out who can do what and how do we move forward together, but also, again, depending on your company culture, of course, is, is, is how do you get that message out? How do you, how do you get um, the awareness out of the, of the stuff that we do, the important stuff we do? Because again, I'm going to say obvious security is everyone's responsibility. You've heard this before. So it's really important to get that message out. It's really important you're going to, you know, you're going to start showing your face out and delivering the messages at different levels. And, you know, I've done this a couple of times, but it's really important to, again, depending on your company structure and what it is, but it's really important to get, um, you know, um, I call this an executive champion, right? Someone you can, someone you can go to and bounce some ideas or hey, maybe even ask how we're doing, or maybe even ask, hey, we have the board meeting presentation coming up. Can you look at it and give me some pointers? So someone who can kind of, you know, lead you through, through your past, someone who can lead you through your journey, and you can always go to an, a mentor, right, per se, who may not have, who may not have all up and downs and understanding of cybersecurity space, but at least someone who has a good understanding of just general technology space. So to me, that's important. And it plays a long way. Um, so that, that so those are a couple of so teams, um, you know, uh, someone who can champion you, mentor you, but also, you know, what's important to me is, is and, it, and it's, you know, I joined right after the COVID lockdown last year, which was difficult and so on because of all remote and we all missed physical interaction and physical connection. But it's really important to, to get with a leadership team across all the functional areas. Would it be, you know, customer facing, you know, product development uh, and really start understanding and having a conversation, what are your challenges, right? So those are a couple of areas that that's important to me and I believe it's important to what we do. I, we you know, I, I couldn't agree more with that. I think there's aspects of working across the business and security that are so critical and the people, you know, I've said this on previous podcasts and I'll say it again. But people, you know, people always ask me, like, where do you spend the most time, James? And I'm like, not on security. I'll tell you that much. I spend most of my time on people, building relationships, understanding the business, um, forging the kind of relationships with our um, with our teams across the business units to ensure that we have, you know, we're not left in the dark. And, you know, trust is the hardest thing to earn and the easiest thing to lose. And so if you're not investing in that relationship, if you pull rank or if you pull business priorities, think you're going to predominantly fail in your role. I think you're spot on. I mean, there's definitely, you know, when you come into a new organization, not only you need to gain a trust and respect from your team, but, but you know, you need to do the same across the board at all the levels, across all the functional areas. And until and until and until you get that or earn, brother, you have to earn this. You can't get this. You have to earn this. You can earn that trust and respect. We cannot be successful. Period. Yeah, I think that's that's you support from anybody. If you and it and it and it, you know that it only takes one miss generally well it, it takes one miss um th that's literally what we live on right as CISOs, our, our our longevity is how big that miss is which is unfortunate right which is not a good discussion topic for the discussion well, well i think i think it's the challenge of our of our roles and it's part of educating the board 
on it and so forth. I mean, I find myself having, you know, um, this year I did already two or three talks to CEOs and board members, um, different virtual events. And I talk about the importance of understanding the challenge of a CISO. And so I did this really cool um, um, mind map for CEOs. And then I did a very cool mind map of CISOs. And then I did one for CFOs and COOs and CIOs. And the idea of the mind map in my presentation was um, see how many things you have to worry about in your specific role. And then where you spend the most, how do you rate the things that you're thinking about on levels of importance? So top, top of mind, top of mind map, the person with the most worries and concerns, we all know who that is. That's the CEO, especially if the company's public um, with, with, with shareholders or if you're privately with shareholders. I think the question is, if you're a CEO with any sort of stakeholders and shareholders, you've got a lot on your mind. Now, number two was surprising to every single CEO in the room because everyone thought that the next person up on that list would be the CFO. Nope, was the CISOs every time. That's interesting. So when you talked about like broad spec, like broad capabilities earlier, and you put that perfect word in my mouth, um, when you talk about like that that broad capabilities, a CISO today, you've got to understand budgeting, like a CFO. You've got to understand procurement and uh, operations, like a COO. You have to understand business like the CEO. You have to understand sales like the CRO. You have to understand marketing like the CMO. You have to understand uh, partnerships and business development like the CBDO. You have to understand or CPO. You have to understand legal like the like the general counsel. Um, you have to understand compliance like your DPO and privacy. And you have to understand shareholder relations like your CEO and board member team, like your, your, your investor team that's in the company that's working on investor relations. And I can continue. And, and you got to know IT like your CIO. And you've got to know technology like your CTO. And you've got to know innovation like your CIO, you know, your chief innovation officer. Some organizations, they have multiple of those, multitude of those. Oh, and by the way, you got to understand revenue. Oh, and you got to know customer relations. You, you know what you just did, right? You just like raised the bar up here for us. But that's our bar. Absolutely. You're right. But that's our bar. We, we can't ignore that. Just because we don't want to, we can't. Yeah. Be- because if, if we fail to understand marketing and um, our marketing team incorporates a chat bot that's not secure, that's collecting PII you know, or, or, or PCI info or even HIPAA info in some cases. And then that chat bot and that messaging is breached and exposed. Well, who are they coming to talk to? They're not going to the CMO. No, you're, you're, you're spot on. You have to know all this. And I generally simplify all this, but I think you hit a nail. I usually simplify finance, technology, and people. But I think everything you described fits right in. So that's where I spend my time. And I think that's where every CISO should be spending his time. I agree with you. I think the first first, first thing you need to do is you need to know your business. Upside yeah. down. Upside because down. if you don't know your business, when your team comes to you with a challenge the perception is teams are highly charged and emotion plays a big part of work because people can't separate the two. Absolutely. I mean, the the second you walk into the building, our mind works different than, I don't want to say normal people. I mean, I walk into the building and first, you know, 
first thing I see is what what do you see? You see the physical security. You start thinking how there's a wireless access and your mind is just start going. You know, that's so funny. Someone once asked me, we, we were at an event and, you know, people are talking to me at the event and I'm not really paying attention. I'm not doing very good eye contact. I'm looking around and someone stopped me and he said, is there someone you're looking for? Because I think it's really rude that you're not giving me eye contact. And I said, well, one, I'm sorry. It's not that I don't want to have eye contact with you. I entered a new environment and I'm scanning the environment. He goes for what? My surroundings. It's like, I'm learning my surroundings. I'm trying to see how I'm weak, where I'm standing. And I'm trying to identify exit points and soft targets within the area I'm in. And the person looked at me and he goes, we're at an event. <laughs> this is a networking event. All the people handing over the USB sticks to you, right? And I went, exactly. And I go, and this is a soft target. I go, I don't think someone's going to walk in here with a gun and shoot us up. We're not that important. Right? There may be someone else in the room who is more important. Could be. I mean, this was an event I was doing with CNN. So, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) there definitely could have been. But, um, you know, I'm looking at that scenario. I'm I'm looking at that situation. And the person I was speaking with was a bit insulted. And, uh, you know, I had to profusely apologize and say, I'm programmed this way. I'm programmed to look at this stuff. It's not like I have to remind myself to do it. It's, I automatically do it. It is natural. Yeah. So when, definitely work on a different level. Or so, should work on a different level rather. Have you ever social engineered your way into a vendor? Absolutely. I love that. That is my favorite thing on the planet. I love to social engineer my way into a vendor. Oh man, have I social engineered my way into vendors before? All the way up to the office of the CEO. Wow. Into their coffee room. That is fun. I've sat at the desk of the CEO and the CEO will walk in and he'll just be like, "Um, James, I'm sorry. No one told me you're here. And I was like, because no one knows I'm here. I literally walked in. (laughs) I grabbed some coffee. By the way, very disappointed. No espressos in your coffee room. Right? How do you expect to have a top-performing team with no espressos? And and, and, you know, on on the same topic, but it's you know kind of going back to the team discussion we had a few minutes ago. I think it's also important that you get that same mindset you know that's one of the things i am personally looking you know during the hiring process are we even are we even thinking in the same level right are we coming from the even though you're coming with different backgrounds can you guys find that you know things that you talk about within cybersecurity, right can you find that common ground So, so I think that's where you and I a little bit disagree. Okay. And I'll tell you why. And, and I'm not saying your, your, my way is better or your way is wrong. We, we just, we may have two different ways of processing information and that's completely acceptable. Um, I want diversity of thought on my team. Mm-hmm. So I don't want people who think like me because I think like me, that is an advantage, but that is also a disadvantage. If everyone thinks like me, then we may be all missing something because everyone's trained to think like me. So I want well, people to think a specific way. And I want to, I want to, I want to take their diversity of thought. I want to take that brain of theirs and I want to just enhance it, but I want it to stay with that same mindset. Cause if you don't have the right mindset, I'm probably not going to hire you. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think we're far off by the way. Right. Um, I, I think we're saying the same thing. What I meant to say is, do you even have your uh, I don't know, detective skills in your mind, right? Yeah. But I agree about diversity. I mean, this is why 
this is why you know I'm all up for having diversity, different cultural backgrounds, and this is when you get the most benefits for your team. I agree with you. So I don't think we're far off on this. I mean, do you come to the office and do you think, you know, do you start looking for your surroundings? That type of mentality. Yeah, there's a there's a very funny comedian um, that I love, and he tells the story of how his dad caught him smoking when he was a teenager. And I share that story in every job interview, and I tell him what's the lesson of the story. So this comedian, it's in Hebrew, so I I, I put the YouTube link, but unless you speak Hebrew, you'd never understand it. You wouldn't know I'm Jewish, by the way. And and so. <laughs> So um, uh, the, the comedian Jonathan Barak tells the story of how when he was a teenager, he used to smoke on the windowsill of his bedroom in his house. And, you know, you'd open the window and you'd have the lighter, the ashtray, and you'd have, you know, uh, air freshener there to hide the smoke. And if anyone smoked as a teenager, which I think, you know, 50% of the population may have smoked as teenagers, um, you know, we're all we're, we all know what this is. You know, you have mouthwash and air freshener and cologne with you everywhere you go because you don't want your parents to know that you're smoking. So he shares the story of how he was home alone, or he thought he was, and he went through the entire house making sure he was home alone before he walked into his room, closed the door, opened the window, and started smoking. And just as he was smoking, and probably taking the third or fourth drag of a cigarette, his Bedroom door pops open and it's his dad and he throws away the cigarette and he's like, you know, like cat-like instincts. Um, and his dad confronts him with smoking. And so my question is, and his question in the story is, where was my dad when I looked up and down through the house? What did I Every room. Where was my dad? And so I tell him, I was like, so where do you think if he searched every room, he didn't see it. And then, you know, within barely a minute of turning on, a, you know, lighting a cigarette, his dad walked in. Where was the dad? And I want to know their thought process of where the dad was. Interesting. I love it. And I've got to tell you, man, I've heard some really fascinating stories. I've, in fact, emailed the comedian with a bunch of stories from job interviews. So what was the most popular one? So so the, the, the best one I got was, um, you know, he, he, in the comedy show, he talks about how his dad might have been Spider-Man. He goes, because the only way my dad, I would have not seen my dad if he was hiding on the ceiling. And I found that, you know, in a comedy skit, it's really funny. So one of the employees, one of the people I was interviewing who now works for me, he, he kind of said it very fascinating. He goes, well, he may have checked every room, but he probably just opened the door and didn't do a thorough check. And he started comparing it to um, essentially good cyber hygiene. He goes, so that's like doing a patch without doing an incident response um, for a patch that you know is being exploited in the wild. Just because you patched it doesn't mean the threat's gone. just means that no new threats can come in. So he probably didn't check in the closets. He didn't check under the bed. I go, very interesting. He goes, you don't mention, did, did the house have a porch? Did he check the porch? And I go, very interesting. He, he doesn't say that in the comedy skit. He goes, maybe the dad was hiding upstairs, saw, the, saw him walk in. And then after he walked in and went into his room and closed the door, the dad walked into the house, opened the front door, and went directly to his room. And I was just like, and the answer was just so thorough so well articulated and it was on the fly very interesting and i was just like that's brilliant that's 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 us i like your answer um I, i've had really bad answers well that's how you get people to you know that's how you get a better understanding on how people think through this you know how thorough they're thinking through the uh, whatever so when you look at us as CISOs, what, what's one thing, you know, Igor, you see us really getting good at? What's one problem you think we've kind of put in the, I don't want to say in the rear view mirror, but we have, you know, enough tools to deal with it that it's no longer a major factor for our security uh, 
teams or our, our you know our security hygiene I think we have too many tools, but that's a different conversation. And it's just <laughs> difficult to swim through all the tools and all the uh, new startups, but that's a different conversation. I think, I think we've got, I feel like we've got, we came a long way, you know, we talked about this today, the SOC. I think we get to the point where I feel we made some great progress over the last 10 years. Um, you know, with the toolings and some of the uh, automation. So I think we just, you know, um, I think, yeah, in general, SAC, we just made a huge progress. Uh, I think, uh, I think there are some potential gaps as I'm kind of reflecting back is some potential gaps connecting the dots. So let me explain what I mean by this, meaning connecting the dots because generally SAC is focusing on, okay, I'm collecting all your logs and I'm from all your key, you know, infrastructure pieces, AD, DNS, whatever, right? But I think potential the next maturity phase is also connecting the dots between the operation and your actual assets from the automation standpoint, right? You know, we all focus in on information protection, your data assets, what have you. And I think if we can figure out how to link these two together at some point, and, and I'm hearing there's some improvements slowly made in this space, but if we can figure out how to link these two together, I can see this could be a huge uh, step up for all of us. I love it. That makes sense. It does. It absolutely does. And and you're right. I think we're making a lot of progress in the SOC, and I can't wait to see a fully automated SOC. But, but look, you know, I'm reflecting back, and I built three SOCs in my career, and then, you know, we made all our mistakes, and, you know, we'll build on this. But, again, I think the important thing is for all of us is, a lot of times you're building the sock and you're not focusing on the important stuff. Yeah. Right. And the important stuff is the company assets. And you know, a lot of times, you know, we're missing the boat and it's too late. And that's why I think if we can figure out you connect these two dots and bring as much automation as possible, I think we'll be much better off. Yeah, I, I, I can't wait till we get to, to more automation. I agree with you there. All right, we're getting to my favorite part of the show, Igor. We get we to learn more about you as a person, our CISO insight round. Here we go, Igor. So um, the famous buzzword, graveyard. <laughs> What's one buzzword you'd put in my graveyard? I would like to kill remediation. I like that. Okay, that's, that's a new one, remediation. Oh, uh, we don't have remediation in there. This, this this word comes across our inbox or verbal conversation on a daily basis. But, you know, if you think deep inside, this is something that we have to build and grain with security, with an IT operation, the database. This word we should bury. I mean, this kind of stuff should be done naturally. I completely agree. Let's um, remediation is is definitely. Uh, thank you for giving me work. Um, I gotta dig a new grave for the word remediation, and mark it in my graveyard. Um, and hopefully, people will add more remediations into the remediation grave. So, um, what's one technology that'll change the way we do cyber? Oof. That's a, that's a tough one. I I, I, I honestly don't know, but I, I think I, I, the biggest challenge, the one of the challenge we're all dealing with CISO is, like I said, the just a variety of tools and solutions around us, spinning around us. I'm not a big fan of, you know, putting one eggs in all baskets. But our portfolios is like growing year after year, which is not a good thing either. 
So I don't have a specific technology in mind, but something that can help us to get a better manage of our portfolios, just a tool stack, you know, the security stack, tooling, solutioning, something that can to go from 40 to 10. Because this okay. will simplify everyone's life. And again, I, I don't, I honestly, I mean, we talk about, you know, AI and automation, those are buzzwords. You know, so just, well, my one come to mind is right, which I don't know where we're going with industry one, and I don't know how this is going to impact the cybersecurity in general, is the cryptocurrency. Right. That's probably worth a separate conversation. But I think this may somehow shift the way we do things. I'm waiting for the cyber vendor that says I only get paid in bitcoins. Exactly. So, so maybe to answer this is the crypto technology. I don't know how it's going to impact us, to be honest. I think we'll figure out once we get there. But I think, in my personal opinion, I think it's coming much sooner than we think. I completely agree. It's 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 already here. And its adoption is just being, I want to say, slowed down by legacy systems, but that won't be around for much longer. Completely agree. So what's the book you're reading right now or the last book you read? Uh, so this is not a book, but um, so at TalkFone, I'm part of the career pass team and we're looking into how do we put a framework around people development, career passing on all that stuff, right? So I'm actually reading the, uh, the, the framework and the use case that was published by Spotify not a long time ago. Uh -huh. It's a pretty interesting, um, reading. Uh, and makes you think a lot about different things on how you're dealing with people, how you develop new teams, and how you run your talents. How do you deal with talent risk mitigation, which is, I think, it's higher than ever today, considering there are a lot more opportunities for the people to go outside of the local market area, right? So that framework kind of dealing with all these issues and help you to, it's not one size fits all. I mean, you can take bits and pieces of this and see what applies to your organization, but very interesting read. I recommend to everybody. What's the last movie you saw? Huh. So I am a big fan of Ozark and I'm anticipating season four. Uh-huh. Waiting any day so i recently uh re you know viewed the uh, season three again just to refresh my memory so they shoot part of ozark in georgia right down the street from my house you get frozen for a second can you hear yeah now you got me right i'm back yeah we're back so my wife's a big ozark fan as well and so is her sister so we did the entire Ozark tour in Georgia. So where yeah. they the house, we went to the house where they where they live, uh, the bar that they own. The house yeah. that's on the lake, right? Right. That's that's by Lake Lanier, and then the bar that they own is actually by Lake Alatuna. It's an actual bar. It's a restaurant and a bar. It's a real restaurant and bar, and they shut it down for for the mm -hmm. set, um, and the boatyard. And all that stuff. So, so part of it is actually shot in. Most of it is shot right here in Georgia. It's actually really, really funny. It's um, it's very interesting because it's like Ozarks, and I was like, you guys couldn't shoot the Ozarks at the Ozarks? Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Very interesting. I like that. What's your favorite music? Uh, well, my kids call me. I'm stuck in eighties. Right. Okay. Big fan of Pink Floyd and Queen and. Abba and Bonnie M, those 80 bands. I'm still listening. That's that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> and our final question for today's show is what's one thing you took away from solar winds? 
You know, I think the key takeaway for me is there is not enough dollars in our budget to plug all the holes. There is not people we can hire to plug all the holes as well, right? One key takeaways for me is you got to make sure your cyber insurance policy is up to date. Yeah. And if it needs to be, you have to review and bump up the coverage if you need to. That's just a key takeaway for me. Yeah. Um, cyber insurance is big. Um, um, I like that. There's no such, there's no one such thing that you can do to stop it. Um, I'm giving a talk. I'm giving a keynote address at FutureCon Tampa on April 8th. And um, I'm doing a keynote on how I've addressed SolarWinds and Microsoft Exchange to the business. So how do you start to have that conversation with the business when, you know, it's not a very easy conversation to be had. And that's something where I'm... uh, I'll be, I'll be presenting on, and I totally agree with you, which is, you know, you and I both can sit here and talk about the fact that there's not enough money or talent for us to plug every hole that exists, but how do you take that to the business and explain it to them? Because I don't know about you, the business is coming to me going like this Microsoft exchange things really big. How big do you think is it? You know, some guy, you know, we, we have board members who obviously sit on multiple boards and uh, one of them is a very good friend of mine. And so he comes to me and he goes, you know, the, you know, security guy at this other company I sit on the board said, this is like 9-11. And I was like, well, people stop using these terms. It's irresponsible and it's dumb. Um, you bring an interesting point, by the way, which, you know, I think across the CISO community, uh, it would be nice in ideal kind of state, it would be nice to have in cases like Microsoft or SolarWinds, it would be nice to have a single voice out. Yeah, it, it would be. A talking um, voice. I mean, how do you present this to your board? You know, how do you bring that? Well, no, it's a risk. We understand this, but how do you explain this? You know, what is the risk to your business? And we're talking about those large suppliers. Right. We're dealing with others, but I'm talking about the last. So I think it would be nice to have some kind of, I don't know, CISO voice out and talking points that we can all use at some, you know, and this will, I think, help us to deliver a single voice out and a message. Yeah, um, I may end up doing that for you um, because it's it's literally something I've been debating because I hear so many of our board members come to me and go, you know, this is what I've heard. And they tell me all this kinds of stuff. And I don't think I'm always right. Okay. But I do understand that um, some CISOs um, see this as an opportunity to use FUD with the board to up the budget, but there's a better way to do it. There's the business way of upping the budget of going and explaining the risk, explaining the landscape. Um, I gave our board post solar winds cause we used solar winds, right? We've decommissioned it since, but um I gave him an entire talk about the geopolitical aspects of this type of cyber threat. You're right. Because I said, listen, this has nothing to do with solar winds. This has something, this is bigger than solar winds. I go, this is geopolitical. This is um, nation states and there's nothing we can do about it. Unless you, Mr. Powerfuls with pockets who go to these private dinners with these congressmen and senators and spend, you know, a plate, um, you know, to be in a room with these people, unless you start exerting your influence and your power to create a legislation of deterrence. Which I think it's coming. Don't know when I'm hearing the conversations. I don't know how serious they are. But I think this will definitely help. So so the current conversation around deterrence is, and this is how stupid it is, that if you're attacked by a nation state, you can sue that nation state in federal court for any harm caused to you. Okay. Yeah. I, James Azar, sue the Chinese Communist Party yeah. for damages. 
In New York federal court. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, there's no T's. Attribution. Agree. Totally Prove agree. that. Chain of evidence. Prove intent. Because in a court of law, it's very different than the court of public opinion. In a court of law, the judge is going to be like, James, prove harm. Well, yeah. we spent we spent six months remediating this. We all worked overtime, and it cost us millions and millions of dollars. But you had insurance, right? And by then, remediation will be in your graveyard, but you're right. Yeah. Um, um, that's like, it's dumb. We need to create a better deterrent. Um, we, we did a room on Clubhouse yesterday talking about that a little bit. Um, you know, and so I, I do a room on Clubhouse um, 6 p.m. on Tuesdays. Um, it's the CISO. I have a club, it's the CISO Talk Podcast Club, and people are welcome to subscribe and join it. And, you know, we, we do two, three rooms on Clubhouse. And last night we were talking about what, what would be the right deterrence bill. Did you, okay. I would love to join us. I will take a look. Let me know if I can help with anything. So you're frozen again. Hardwired. I'm hardwired. This is the most frustrating thing. My my laptop is hardwired. So like, apparently Wi-Fi is stronger than hardwire now. Apparently. Apparently. Um, brilliant. Well, Igor, I want to say thank you for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it. You've been awesome to have on, and I'm and I'm grateful to have you as part of the the, the Sysotalk guest list, man. James, thank you so much for having me. Let's stay in touch. Absolutely, folks. Igor Specter, the CISO over at TrackPhone. Uh, TrackPhone, I'm sorry. Thank you so much uh, again to Igor. Thank you so much for all of you. Make sure to subscribe, comment, let us know what you think. You can reach out to Igor. Um, his LinkedIn is is in the show notes. But here's the deal: if you're a vendor and you reach out, he'll block you. So um, I won't say he's block you, but if you you know just just be very cordial in your approach to folks uh people it's it's, it's really important um we'll be back next week with a lot more on CISO talk make sure to tune into our, our practitioner brief daily at the cyber hub podcast 9 a.m eastern every single day monday through thursday um and tech corner on friday at the cyber hub podcast channel both on your favorite podcast listening platform and youtube until then folks this is james Hazar signing off thanks so much for watching Make sure to subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends and colleagues. And get all the latest information at cyberhubpodcast.com.